Biden is thinking a Tucker interviews Putin. And we're going to talk a little bit about Planned Parenthood and how they're teaching your children about virginity. All this and more on the Self-Evident Podcast. Welcome to the Self-Evident Podcast. You got Mike. There is no Massey for this moment. Just Mike. See? See? It's all Mike. It's the Mike show. Well, Massey's out for today, but don't worry. He will be back next week. But we got our boys. Yeah. We got our producers. Yeah. Yes, Using the mic. There we go. We got a great one for you guys today. This one's fun. I actually asked Massey if he wanted me to put it off till he could be on the show. And he said, no, no, I don't want to hang out with you anymore. So I'm doing it all myself. But <laughs> you got us. I got you guys. That's I got you. Yay. That's all I care about. We're, we're, we'll be the better replacement. There okay. we go. No, there, no more dad. Ooh, ooh. When he watches this, he'll be like, what? <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take the There heat. you go. Don't forget. Like, subscribe, comment, check out our other social media platforms. Maybe you're a Facebook user. Try out the YouTubes. If you're a YouTube user, check out our Facebook. Check out our Instagram, all of that. We got great stuff for you. Go to theselfevidenttruth.com. Be sure to get yourself a T-shirt. Also, do not forget, we have my book, Become Forged. If you want a blueprint on how to become a fully developed, actualized man, especially for the kingdom of God, this book's for you. It's a toolbox. You don't have to take everything out of it, but maybe there's something in there that'll help you move forward or help you raise your son knowing who he is and what God intended him to be. So check it out at the website, Become Forged. All right, I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Yes, sir. Let's do this. Game on. What you got for me, Nathan? Uh, I was going to say we have a text to give option. Oh, see, this is why you guys are paid the big bucks. What you got for me? Roll it out. So you got a text give to 772-242-0299. That is 772-242-0299. Text the word give. Give. Text give. That way, you can make a donation. We are a 501c3. We're a nonprofit. You can make a donation to us, um, and that helps move the mission forward. Actually, uh, Massey and Carrie will be in Nevada, right, next weekend, correct? I'm pretty sure. Next weekend. They will be in Nevada. Check out our Facebook for details. Also, we will have a fundraiser coming up that we're going to be doing. We'll give more details about that. So let's try that again, shall we? Try it again. Keeping me to a standard, I love it. All right, first one up. Did we get the slides uploaded? We're all set? Yeah, we're good. Cool. Biden's not the... Who? So special counsel report. Now, this one is going to get fun. 
Uh, not just my reporting on it, although that's fun too. This one's going to get fun to watch because the White House is now mad at the special counsel, and the special counsel is kind of saying, well, you know, we, we said what we said. What happened? So special counsel finally came out with their report about Biden's documents sitting in his garage as he's pulling out his Corvette, you know, the around the same time that Trump got nailed for classified documents that they had to raid Mar-a-Lago for, um, and he had to go through all that court stuff for. Well, the special counsel report said, and I quote, Mr. Biden's memory was significantly limited both during his recorded interviews with the ghostwriter in 2017, with whom he shared classified materials, and in his interview with our office in 2023. We have also considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury as he did during our interview of him as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor mem memory. Whoa, the fact they put it in paper, they wrote it down and they shipped it out. They continue, in his interview with our office, Mr. Biden's memory was worse. He did not remember when he was vice president, did not remember when he was vice president. Forgetting on the first day of the interview where, when his term ended, if it was 2013, when, when did I stop being vice president? And forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began in 2009, am I still vice president? He did not remember even within several years when his son Bo died, and his memory appeared hazy when describing the Afghanistan de debate that was once so important to him. Among other things, he mistakenly said he had a real difference of opinion with General Carl Eikenberry when, in fact, Eikenberry was an ally whom Mr. Biden cited approvingly in his Thanksgiving memo to President Obama. And then he's done some other stuff, and of course he came out, he was all mad and hot. And in his presser, where he was talking about how mad he was and how, his, how good his memory is, he couldn't remember the saint that he prayed to after his son Bo died. And he also referenced, uh, mistakenly, the Egyptian president as the president of Mexico. And recently... He also said he had a full conversation about J6 with a German politician who's been dead four years prior to J6. This is the man leading your country. This is the man the Democrats have put all their hopes in. And this, this is what I'm going to say about it. If I were the Democrats, and this is controversial take, you might ask, well, what do they do? What's going on? But they don't know. So what do we do? I say, I think the Democrats should jump ship with him. I think make it public, make it brutal, run him over with the biggest bus possible. Because right now what they're trying to do is soft foot and figure out, uh, do they back him as a candidate for the next term? Do they leave him behind? How do they work somebody in smoothly? I say just burn the ship down. I think you'll actually gain respect from independents. Your base will vote for whoever you put up. It doesn't matter. But the independents are the ones that matter. And I think the independents would see if the Democrat Party actually unified against their own candidate and said, look, this guy can't handle it. We're done. Maybe even put forward articles of impeachment, 25th Amendment. Go it that way. Make it a spectacle and go, look, we love him. He's great, but he just cannot do the job. We've asked him to resign. He refuses to do it. We need somebody in who is competent. 
I think you'd actually gain favor. Now, I don't know if you could get all of all of the Democrats in Congress to really get behind you. And it would put Republicans in a weird spot because then the Republicans, okay, do we vote for impeachment with the Democrats and look like we're just aligning with Democrats? Do we vote against it and keep Biden in and then they can use it against us that we voted to keep Biden in office? What do we do? I think it's a great play. Now, some people may argue with me. That's fine. But I think overall, Democrats, you've got a problem on your hands. You've got a real problem on your hands. And Republicans are trying to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory right now by setting themselves up against Trump. This is fun. Campaign season is fun to sit back and eat popcorn and watch it all burn. So enjoy. On to number two. Tucker Carlson interviews Putin and everybody's head explodes. Really, it's true. Everybody's head exploded on this, and I don't know why. Like, X became the number one downloaded app on Apple Store because of this interview. And, of course, the legacy established media, you had uh, EU politicians, you had U.S. politicians that weren't real happy about it, all talking about how dare Tucker Carlson interview that warmonger Putin, who genocided people and invaded a country and all of that. And meanwhile, normal people are pointing the finger at the U.S. and the EU going, you did the same thing. It's all you, too. I'm not saying Putin's right on everything. I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm not saying you should trust much of what comes out of his mouth. But at some point, I think there is actually some truth to what he was talking about. So he cited, he cited Ukrainian coup as provoking conflict. He said Ukraine launched the war in Donbass in 2014 with the use of aircraft and artillery against civilians. That's when it's all started. And of course he's going to be defensive of Donbass because the, that area is very pro-Russian. They don't want to be Ukrainian. They want to be Russian. Then he went on to talk about NATO expansion, which he's right. We've, we, we have to see the big picture. He, he's stated, so I'll, I'll, I'll put forward summary of what he said, and then I'll give you my idea. He said how Russia was supportive of the collapse of the Soviet Union, how NATO promised that it would never expand an inch to the east. Their argument was, well, it was never enshrined on paper, so they can go ahead and do it. He also said he had no interest in Poland and Latvia. Now, that, it is what it is. Who knows? But it's true that NATO has been expanding for decades. If you look at a map of NATO bases, you'll see it's like an umbrella around Russia, and it slowly has continued to creep forward. Ukraine was a border area, which the U.S. government has trouble understanding borders, but it was a border area. And Ukraine was kind of that last buffer between NATO and Russia. And Russia's argument is, we saw the writing on the wall. Ukraine was kind of that last stand. We were going to make our move. We were going to create some buffer. We were going to settle down this whole conflict of whether Russia owns Donbass or not. I'm not defending any of it. I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm not saying they should have gone to war. What I'm saying is I don't blame him at the same time. NATO pushed Russia's buttons for decades and then got mad when Russia bit back. And the thing is, Russia knows, and Putin even said this, Russia knows destruction of the world is really kind of online with all of this. But they know they have to play hardball. 
they know that Washington will push hard. They have to push harder. Keep your eyes on this. Now, the, the whole Tucker interview, golly, man, I wish there were more like Tucker Carlson. I wish there were more people doing what he was doing. Do I always agree with him? No. Do I appreciate that he does not care and he's going out and he's doing it? Yes. I love that he's doing that. Support somebody like him. Support his channel. Subscribe to whatever he's got. Support him because he's willing to actually have those conversations. The, the media propaganda machine went nuts because he went around them. That's what they're mad about. We saw them interview Putin time after time after time in the past decade. But now Tucker does it, and all of a sudden it's this whole, why? Because they can't control the messaging. That's what they're interested in. You got something? Oh, okay. That's what they're controlled in. They, they, they want to control the whole message, the whole narrative. They want you to only pay attention to them. I will never forget, who was it, Jake Clapper? Or Jake Tapper, sorry. I believe it was Jake Tapper or Chris Cuomo. One of them stood on CNN staring at the camera and said, it's illegal for you to read these documents, so we are the ones who have to read it for you. They were leaked documents. Think about that. What he's telling you is, we're only allowed to do this. We'll translate for you. That's the same exact thing the Catholic Church was doing for centuries to the normal person. Oh, you can't read the scriptures. But there's a reason it's in Latin. You can't read them, so let us translate for you and tell you what to believe. They burned people at the stake for translating the Bible into English. People want to control the narrative, they want to control the truth, and they will fly off the handle if they're not allowed to do it. The thing is, when you love truth, you don't mind if truth gets out. You want truth to get out. So when you're a Tucker Carlson or, some, or a Glenn Greenwald or a Matt Taibbi or a, a Tim Poole or, you know, there's, there's plenty of these independent journalists who are more interested in getting to the truth than they are just getting a narrative to control the masses. Now, do they have their biases? Of course. We all do. But it doesn't mean that your bias completely covers over truth in order to get a narrative across. Whereas you're watching Tucker get attacked exactly because of that reason. Number three. Now, this one's good. Remember that whole conversation we had about that mom with the Christian school and the big sticker in the back of her car, and she was all mad that she couldn't have her sticker, that one? Well, her kids got expelled. Now, the school initially, they had just said, look, we don't like your OnlyFans sticker in the car. We think it promotes something that is not healthy or good for these kids. We're a Christian school. Go figure. A Christian school doesn't want oh, really? OnlyFans? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> no, really? I no, really? I, yeah. You guys are of, of, of younger age. Yeah. Do you think there is a problem with an OnlyFans sticker on the back of a car? Of course. <laughs> In a Christian school parking lot. The most stupid thing ever. Isn't it? And she defends it. She's like, no, I'm going to leave it up. Well, the school called her bluff because she did not start parking across the street, which I thought was a fairly reasonable response. Look, either take it down or at least park across the street and come get your kids. We just don't want this in our parking lot on our property. You know what she did? She put a bigger one in. Oh, okay. 
So they expelled her kids. Uh, she was told by this. This school is like. I like this school. I do, too, because they even went as far as to say, look, you can re-enroll your kids if you'll just remove the sticker. Like, they are giving her chances. Yes. It, like, look. Mercy. Mercy. Yeah, we're, we're giving you mercy. Just you need to uphold the standard. Uh, really so she do. decided yeah. she's not going to bring them back. She's going to go the homeschooling route, which kind of scares me, but your, your yeah, freedom. Yeah. You, you be you. Why enroll your kids into a Christian school if you know they can't do OnlyFans? That's what I'm wondering. Like, if and and she even said, and I've got it in the notes, she even said that her kids know about what she does and they don't seem to have a problem with it. My I question names. that. I question that. And my argument is, in 20 years, they're going to be in therapy one way or another. They either will be so off the reservation bitter with you or they will lead such a destructive life that they'll be in therapy. I cannot imagine being a school-age kid and knowing that your mom is producing this content and selling it out to the masses. And, like, the amount of kids that will probably bully them to even lead to more therapy is, like, at the same time, it's like... I'm right? Yeah. That's probably, honestly, why she decided not to re-enroll them. It's yeah, probably your kids were getting bullied. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I've, I'm not a good person at all times. I, I, the Lord has cleansed me, but, but I know when I was young, I would have been one of the kids making fun of them. It, it would have been hard not to. I, I admit it. Nobody else has to raise your hand, but I would have. Probably would have done it. Yeah, right? Thank you. Yeah, Thank you for I being. I don't honest. know if I would have done it because I'm a. I don't think I'm the bully. I, I. You know what I probably would have done? I probably wouldn't have been evil to them, but I would have made a joke or two. Yeah, like the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, uh, this whole situation is, is hilarious to me because she's, she's planting a flag in a weird place. And I'm sure it's paid off for her because all the news and publicity, I'm sure she's probably making $40,000 a month right the, now. The amount of money she's probably getting right now, oh. it's unbelievable. In the original story, she was making $20,000 a month. Dang. My son. guess is because of how much this hit the news, she's probably making 40000 a month now. So she's making it to the bank. But that shows you money is not everything. It shows you that if you sell your morality... You will compromise. Now, she's trying to not compromise in a certain area, but she compromised a long time ago. When you sell yourself out and you sell out your morality, and I don't know, puns intended, when you sell out your morality for money, for, for pleasure, it will come back on you. I'm not saying this situation was punishment, for what she did. I think she's going to see long-term consequences in her family. She says nobody in her family has a problem with it. But if if she comes to her kids and she's like, so do you have a problem with what I do? And the kids are like, no, no, it's cool. Yeah, see, they, they said it's no problem. I mean, who knows? No, maybe, the, no, mom, I don't care. Whatever, you do, you do what you need to. I'm telling you, 20 years from now, that could be issues. I just have a hard time believing that those kids are going to grow up completely healthy and normal and awesome, you know? All right. Are you guys ready to get into it? This one's going to be good. This one's going to be good. I put on a slide. I want you to put up that slide. Just I made this graphic as promotional, and 
nobody looked at it, but I love it. So Planned Parenthood has decided to teach your kids about virginity. Now, they don't say that this message is pointed out to your kids, but isn't it interesting? You'll get into it. Notice what she's wearing. Notice how she's talking. Yeah. The The background's very, you know. It's like high school, middle school biology class, right? Yeah. It it even says sex ed one oh one on the on the top in multicolors, br- bright, vibrant colors. Yeah. Um it, it, you guys haven't watched this video yet, have you? I saw the first one just to see what it was. Come, I'm like, I couldn't hear it, but come get your dad's headphones so you can listen to it. All right, I'll um, sit in the chair. Cause this yeah, no, you gotta play clips. So just grab the headphones and bring them over with you. This video, uh, actually, we had a probably our number one fan send it to us um, the other day. It was like, oh, my gosh, we got to cover this. This is outrageous. And this is what Planned Parenthood is doing. And you might say, well, yeah, of course. But I want you to think about what's the intention behind this. They've decided to attack the idea of virginity. And we're going to go basically step by step through the whole thing. I, we're going to play you clips, and I'm going to give you my responses. This is outrageous that, that we are having this conversation. Now it's 2024 and, you know, the world and all of that. So, of course, people are going to make that argument. But this is out, downright outrageous. So as he's getting the headphones ready to go, um, I've got several clips, and I'm, I want to set the stage for you on why this is important from a spiritual sense. The enemy will make the argument that you are in charge of you, do what you want. And you see it through ancient occultic practices. You see it through even the satanic practices. You see it in the hedonism argument. You see it in the New Age argument. You see it in paganism. You see it in all these areas of this idea of do what you want, discover yourself. And she makes that exact argument. And she, she diminishes the argument from the Christian moral point of view. Are we ready to go, guys? So we're going to get into this. Clip number one. To the chase. Virginity is a completely made-up concept. It's a term that was created simply to control and shame people, mainly women. Mm. A virgin is someone who's never had sex, but it's not as simple as it seems. For one thing, medically, virginity isn't a real thing. All right, we'll start there. Are you guys convinced? No. The, the, you notice how she sets this argument. She says, virginity, it's, it's a myth. And she kind of makes it seem like virginity was created by society recently to oppress women. Virginity's been around, this concept has been around for a long time. And the idea that it's some form of oppression thought up by a bunch of guys in the 1600s or the Middle Ages, it's rather trite, and, and she's leading you away from the truth that it has been true across civilizations across time sure there have been some cultures that have done away with the whole concept don't take the exception for the rule nathan you got something 
That's why they call her the Virgin Mary. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but you're actually, dude, you, you make a really good spiritual point. There's a reason that she's the Virgin Mary. There's a, the, there's a purity to it. And we're not just talking about sexual purity. We're talking about spiritual connection. I'm going to get into that more in a little bit. But we're talking about spiritual connection that happens through physical contact. And I firmly believe it's actually one of the most powerful thing two people can do spiritually. And she also says, notice she makes this argument that it's not even a medical concept. It's not even a medically a real thing. This is a false argument. Who said that the idea of virginity needed to be tied to a medical concept? In fact, they don't even, they don't even subscribe to medical concept anyways, a medical truth. They're the ones who are saying gender is just a feeling. So they've already done away with the medical argument. This is, medical doesn't count. That doesn't, biology doesn't count. And then they go around and say, well, virginity, there's not even a medical case to it. Now, she talks about, and I clipped it out because I tried to keep it somewhat PG. She does use some terms in a couple of these clips that you may not want your kids to hear. I'm giving you the warning right now. You've been warned. However, I did clip out the really just grotesque stuff that it's like, you're talking about this with kids. You're the same one who want those books in the library. Anyways. So clip number two. Let's go ahead and roll it. The reason the idea of virginity is complete nonsense is that sex means different things to different people. Generally speaking, society tends to define sex in a very narrow way, penetration, penis into vagina. But where does that definition leave queer people or folks who can't or don't have penis and vagina sex and choose to have oral, anal, or another type of sex instead? I warned you about terms. <laughs> that's, that's really, I think, as bad as it gets. Notice she reiterates that it's not just outdated. It's complete nonsense. Her judgment, her opinion, not fact. She makes an opinion speaking to the youth because think about who she's targeting this to. Planned Parenthood, and Planned Parenthood is not having the argument at a TEDx talk with a bunch of graduate students. This is pointed to the youth. She's saying it's complete nonsense. This whole idea is just nonsense. As though you would actually be crazy to consider the idea of virginity. Do you notice the pressure that's actually being put on the kid? If you are a virgin, you're actually participating in something that's complete nonsense. If you believe in virginity, it's nonsense. And just raise your hand, guys, if you have something you want to say. Okay. Um, and she also says sex means something different to different people. But society identifies it in a certain way. Just because a person identifies it as something different doesn't mean that it actually is that. Now, I think there is a flow of what society determines a def definition to be matters. The left does it all the time with words, right? Gay used to mean happy. Queer used to mean weird. But then society, pushed by the left and engineered by the left, vocabulary term determines a process of a, of a society, 
She's saying, well, society determined it that way, but you can determine it for whatever you want it to be. That's not true. And besides, the argument's in the wrong position. What we should be talking about is whether or not to have sexual relations and when. And watch out for this whole idea of since there are exceptions, we must be able to throw out the rule. This is a point they make so often. Well, there's exceptions, so we've got to throw out the rule. She said, eh, or incest. And I bleep it out because YouTube won't like me if I do it. But notice that argument. What about those with an incest? Maybe what about them? What about their virginity? They use the same, exar same exact argument with abortion. Well, what about eh, or incest? The exception does not make the rule. Maybe you aren't doing it right. Like, <laughs> that's not how you were created <laughs> to be. Exactly. If you don't do it correctly, you can't then change the definition. That's a great point, dude. You nailed it. Yes. Just because you're doing it incorrectly, just because you're doing it against the definitions, doesn't mean you change the definitions. So they'll, they'll make this argument with you because they'll try and get you off course and get you thinking about this parameter. Think about it in the abortion. Like they make, like, they change the rule for, like, the 2% of the population, like, mm -hmm. not the other 80. Right. So if they use the case of incest in terms of abortion, they're saying, well, how could you force that person who was a victim of incest to carry it to term? It's an emotional tearjerker Adoption. question. It, yeah. It's, it's a dilemma. But let's say that's 1%, which I'm grossly over-exaggerating the percentage, but 1% of the cases of abortion. If we put that aside, and this is kind of the famous argument, would you then outlaw abortion? Well, no. Ah, so you're using an emotional exception of an argument to try and justify your point. She's doing the same thing with virginity. Because there are people who have questions about what is virginity and what's not, Therefore, it must be complete nonsense. Let's go to clip three. I'll clip clip. Also a double standard on who carries the burden of virginity. Society puts pressure on men for not having sex at the exact same time they shame women for having it. Make it make sense. Okay, I'll make it make sense. My job does that. Yeah, <laughs> I never heard anybody do that. That's crazy, huh? Yeah, it's a double standard, of course. Of course, it's a double standard. She says men get shamed if they don't have sex. Women, if they do. She obviously watches, and I'm just going to read what I wrote because I, I thought I did pretty well in this. She obviously watches a lot of movies and TV, which is produced by the same people who agree with her that everyone should be having more sex all the time. I think it's like the opposite, actually. It, it, ooh, go with that. You're, you're younger generation. I want to yeah. hear your thought on that. Like, like I feel like men get pressured to do sex but if they do it like they think it's like oh rape anything like they just like oh you can't do that and like like women like get forced and they're like oh why won't you do this with me and stuff like you know. actually that's a good point is like yeah there may there may be this social cultural pressure for which i i think is kind of overblown but let's say there's this pressure for men to do it but as soon as they do it then they get accused of stuff and then they get accused of, right? Yeah, because like they have like the higher sex drive, obviously. And if they do it, they're like, oh my gosh, you abuse me. How dare me. you? Like, yeah. How dare you do this to me? How dare you, right? And, yeah. and women, 
don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But if you do, you have no responsibility or 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 role in this. Yeah. That's in that's a really good point, bud. And my point for her, because she's my guess is she's around my generation. She's probably immersed in the popular culture. She's immersed in movies, TVs, all of that. TV, all of that. What is the popular culture pushing people to do? Men to have more, women to be chased, but still, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, right? So, in fact, she's actually arguing against herself. The double standard was produced by her own movement. Her own people produced this double standard. Why? Because the Christian standard has been consistent across millennia. The Christian standard has been wait until you're married, one man, one woman. That's it. No pressure, right? Outside of holding up the standard, which seems very consistent. There's no men you should, women you shouldn't, or women you should, men you shouldn't. There's none of that. And isn't it funny that she's guaranteed steeped in the feminist culture, and the feminist culture is go do it more, do it all, do whatever you want. Plus, you don't have any responsibility. Ah, so there is pressure to go and do it. The Christian standard is consistent. There is no double standard in it. And I would argue that it's actually her side's own fault for creating this mess. If you would have followed the moral standard and you would have respected the way God intended it to be, you wouldn't be in this mess. You wouldn't have to have this argument. Instead, you'd be recognizing, well, I'm not married. I've got urges and lusts. But God's told me, how do I walk through this, get married, and then be productive with this? Let's go to the next clip. Way, shame has no place in someone's personal decisions about sex. It's time to throw away the notion of losing your virginity. Shame. 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 That's what we need on the board. We need a shame button. We're, we're going to create a list. Yeah. Shame. Or, or, in the words of Massey, shame is a product of guilt brought on by contradicting God's law and knowing within your heart you have transgressed your own creator. Could be that. Now, let, let's walk a line of logic here. If pleasure is good for you and boundaries are bad, then an OnlyFans mom should be the ultimate in happiness, contentment, and self-satisfaction, right? She's making good money, chasing such a pleasurable experience that gains her a lot of adoring fans. A lot of love, a lot of attention. Love. They're just happy and healthier the longer they go, right? Except when we look at the, what I'll call, corn industry, you look at those women over the decades, at the end of their career, are they happy, content, self-satisfied, moving forward, leading productive lives? Or are most of them in drug abuse, alcohol abuse, suicidal, depressed, and, and crashing and burning in their life? Do they look vibrant? Now, you may make the argument, yeah, there's, yeah but there's so-and-so who she seems really happy and content. Could be. Maybe she is. Again, an exception. Exactly. Thank you. An exception does not make the rule. The rule is the longer you go in the corn industry, the more and more you get destroyed. If you watch interviews with some of these people, they are like a hollowed out person. 
there's not much personality to them. They look destroyed on the inside. Their soul looks destroyed because it's a spiritual truth. So to say shame, get rid of your shame, that is a satanic argument. I'm, I'm convinced. Why? Because you don't feel shame. Well, let me ask you this. Do you ever feel shame for eating healthy? Outside of your friends who are making a little joke at you because you order chicken and broccoli, when really they're just jealous that they're not as disciplined as you. But over the decades, do you look back and feel such shame that you ate healthy? Do you feel better or worse at the end of your life for eating healthy? What about focusing on your family and keeping a balanced family, family life? Do you feel shame? Outside of your coworkers or boss who thinks your life should be all about work and only work, do you feel shame? At the end of your decades, will you feel more content or less content and more shame or less shame in the fact that you poured into your family and valued them? Do you think you'll be better or worse off at the end of your life if you eat healthy, if you take care of your family, if you work hard, if you uphold morals? Which do you think you will feel at the end of your life? More shame or less shame? Results matter. If we're going to say that shame is never a signal of a bad path, then we should see randomized results when comparing times when shame hits compared to good results through a full life. What I mean by that is it should be random. It should be 50-50. You should see people that are, are great and beautiful and awesome and productive and all of that. And you find those cases, but I don't think a life of hedonism and selling your body leads to good results over the long term. And people, well, what about Hugh Hefner? Have you, have you heard the accounts of the type of guy he was by the time he died? He was a slave to his lusts and desires. He was a hollowed-out individual that was purely a physical representation of the lust and desire within him. It consumed him. There was no personality to him at the end of his life. If shame was the wrong feeling to have, he went against the shame. He should have been the most vibrant, beautiful, content, happy, productive person on the face of the earth. So this whole argument she brings up about shame is crap. It's crap. And you know what she's teaching youth? Oh, if you feel shame, well, go into it and ignore the shame. She's trying to make the argument that society just pours shame out on somebody and so therefore they feel it. No, it's God's conviction on a person's heart. And you should really be concerned when your shame goes away and you no longer feel it. That's what scripture talks about when it says you're seared. If you get to that point where you no longer feel shame, you should very much be concerned. Ready for next clip? Let's do it. Instead of losing something, we reframe it as gaining. Because the truth is, when we make our own decision to become sexually active, we aren't setting ourselves up to lose anything at all. We hope we are gaining things like intimacy, self-insight, pleasure, and empowerment. Oh, we're not losing. We're not losing. We're gaining. We're gaining. Yes, we're all, we're all gaining something. It's great. It, I'll say this. Losing your virginity is gaining. If you're married. If you're married. 
And notice she says intimacy, self-insight, pleasure, and empowerment. Because, of course, you've got to feel empowered. You know where sexuality can provide those things? In marriage. Why, why do we have to use this? Now, I know what she's trying to do. Oh, that old stodgy idea of marriage, that old stodgy idea of virginity. You can get all this stuff now. Doesn't that sound satanic? And again, I don't use that argument as Lucifer is standing right there speaking in her ear to say it. What I'm saying is it's contrary to God. Antichrist sentiment, we could say that. It's against God. It's putting the pleasure while hollowing it out of what God intended it to be. It's destructive. You got something? It feels like she seems like to be like all over the place. She says like one thing is wrong, but then like you gain stuff from sex. Well, like men get like bashed for having sex and like and then like women if women get pregnant without being planned like they gain nothing and they like are heartbroken that's so golly you guys are good and i love it you guys should start a podcast which they actually are wink 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 nudge nudge they're they're sports guys so they're doing a football podcast keep an eye out for it so he he makes a really good point the the antichrist Dark, that's what I'll start calling it. I'll just call it the dark mentality, the, the dark agenda. It's confusion. It's inconsistency. It's grasping at straws because it's decided that desire and pleasure are the most important thing. The problem is they want to cut all of the process to that out and just put that thing as the means and the ends. It gets confusing because she's trying to make her argument that virginity is a bad thing and nonsense. But the problem is, it's not true. So her argument is very all over the place. I can easily walk a progression in this. Virginity is a sign of goodness and waiting to use sex in the right context. And when you use it in the right context, it provides so much. When you don't use it in the right context, it's destructive. It's easy. Now, the funny thing is, she said, intimacy, self-insight, self-insight, pleasure, and empowerment. Did you notice what was not on that list? I'm just going to let that hang there. Did you see what she was missing? We'll wait till the end. We're almost there. Let's go to the next clip. Myths around sex and virginity can be so hurtful and overwhelming. But here's the one truth you should remember. Sex is defined by one thing and one thing only. You. Again, do what thou wilt. You are your own God. Remember I said that at the beginning? Notice she says you are the only one who can define sex. The dark agenda. Back to Adam and Eve. Get your eyes on yourself. You become the determiner of good and evil. What did he say to Eve? You'll be like God. You'll be wise. You'll know good from evil. She's saying you get to determine good from evil. You get to determine what's wise. You get to determine for yourself. It's all about you. In reality, it's none of those things, and those are destructive. Why? Because Satan, Lucifer, did that process, and he got kicked out of heaven for it. All these myths, which she never actually debunks, right? If you notice, she never actually debunks myths, but she sidesteps them and just says they're hurtful and they're overwhelming. You notice that's woke language? 
To you, it is. Yeah, exactly. You notice that woke language? She's using those words for the youth because they, they're, they're being trained to walk life out through emotion and offense. So hurtful and overwhelming is, well, I don't want hurtful. I don't want overwhelming. I don't want to be a part of that. So, yeah, you're right. This idea of virginity. Imagine what 13, 14-year-old girls and boys are thinking if they watch this and they go, well, virginity is a myth and it's hurtful and it's overwhelming. Do you notice the self in that? It's about me. It hurts me. It's overwhelming for me. So therefore, I should just go out and have sex. She says, you define sex. It's defined by you. You get to be the arbiter of it. And then she goes through a list of gratuitous examples of things you could be doing sexually that might define your first time for you. Now, I left this out, but it's a gratuitous list. It's really just an enticement. It's like the D.A.R.E. program for kids. Now, you guys probably don't know D.A.R.E., do you? No, okay, because it was a waste of time. Let me be a personal example. Let me tell you a little story. D.A.R.E. program, and if you're my age, you remember, uh, drug awareness resistance education or drug abuse resistance education, something like that. And what they would do is a police officer or a D.A.R.E. instructor would come into your classroom in fourth, fifth grade and teach you all about drugs. They, they would show pictures of it. They'd tell you what it'd do. And then as a side, but don't do it, I won the D.A.R.E. essay in fifth grade. You got to write an essay about how you're not going to do drugs and how drugs are bad and drugs are bad, okay? I won the essay. I started dealing drugs in my 20s. I think it failed. And actually, they did studies, and they showed that kids who took D.A.R.E. classes were actually more likely to end up using drugs. Now, you could argue, okay, where are the standards or parameters of the study? But I think there is some type of causal link of, hey, let's show kids what drugs are, what they do, and then just kind of tell them, but don't do it. We're going to show you what this is, but don't do it. But don't it makes do you it. want to do it more. Exactly. And so what she's doing is she's dropping out those little breadcrumbs of, you know, this and this and this and this. Where, where, where can you find that stuff? On corn websites. You can, right? And a 13, 14-year-old is like, what's that? And then she's attached these things to being pleasurable. Virginity is bad. Holding it off is bad. But these things... You get intimacy, pleasure, self-empowerment. So you notice the connection she's making? And I left it out because it's just gratuitous. And, and I know I'm making an argument against something you didn't see, but trust me, like when people do that, they're leaving breadcrumbs for a reason. Let's go to the final clip. The beauty of your sexual journey. You're in charge, and you can figure it out on your own terms. Choosing to have sex when, what kind, where, who with, is something that only you get to define. Like, so she's a woman, but she says you're in charge when women like have full control of like who to have sex with too. They she's, are. The, she's a woman too. Yeah, they're so, like, no it, pun intended. They're the gatekeepers. Toward, uh, young girls, you think? Yes, absolutely. Very, very much so. Not like the guys where the guys can watch it too. But like. Right. But yes, I think you're right. I think it's totally good point. It's geared towards young women. Young women are the gatekeepers. They really are. Um, now, there's, there's a whole conversation of the dynamic of, of how that works, especially in marriage, young marriage, all of that. But did you know she said it on her own terms, right? 
the when, the where, the who with, I would argue the how. Couldn't a person do all of those decisions in marriage? The only thing that changes is the when. You may have to delay a little bit. But who with? You choose who you marry in the West. Where? How? Like, all of these are decisions you can still make. You notice that false argument she makes is if you are a virgin and you wait till marriage, then you can't make any of these choices. Where if you get rid of virginity and you just do it whenever you want, you can make all these choices. You empower you. Now, did you notice what was missing on that list of gains? Anybody? Anybody? How about new life? Pregnancy. Now, we're all going, well, duh, it's Planned Parenthood. But you notice the whole conversation was about pleasure. She didn't even talked about contraception. That's how you know this is an infomercial for Planned Parenthood. This is marketing to the next generation. Forget about virginity. Head on out. Do what you want. Go for it. Oh, my gosh. You're 15 and pregnant? How'd that happen? Come on in. We'll take care of you. It's marketing to the next generation. There's no discussion about the most important facet of, of sexuality, which is pregnancy and new life. She totally skipped over that. And I find it interesting there's not a single mention of contraception. The same organization who sometimes, well, you know, yeah, we hand out contraception and, and we do other stuff too. But contraception would actually reduce their market share. So they're not really interested in contraception. She's interested in drumming up a whole new generation of young girls, exactly, money. Money, money, money. Money, money, money. This, this is the result. We talked about it's a classroom setting. She's dressed like a teacher. She talks in simple language. She uses colorful graphics. She uses simple graphics. She is trying to appeal to the young generation. And the video basically tells you three things. Virginity is a myth to oppress people. You shouldn't feel shame about sex. And it's all about your freedom of choice and everything. No mention of pregnancy, no mention of contraception, no mention of dangers of sexual contact, no mention of age or waiting. It actually builds up pressure on the young people to go out and have sex because they don't want to be seen as a part of this social myth that's being oppressed on them. They want to be independent, right? You can be independent if you would just give up this societal myth of virginity. Go out and do what you want to do. Chase pleasure. I've got to say, well played, Planned Parenthood. Well played. Smart. Extremely smart. And virginity is not a cool topic. And I am not somebody standing in front of a biology class speaking to the simple. But I am going to put my point of what the solution on this is. Virginity is a cherished thing. And I'm speaking to the youth right now. I'm speaking to parents when you're talking to your kids about this. Virginity is a cherished thing. It means you have not shared yourself with someone else in the most intimate and unifying way possible. You're waiting for your husband or wife 
in order to purely, completely, and righteously unite yourself to them. You want to join with somebody else. What God has placed in you is good. Don't tarnish it. Don't diminish it. Allow God to bring it to its full fruition in an amazing way. You've waited. If you hold on to virginity, you've waited to become one flesh with your spouse. That means becoming one person with your spouse, becoming more closely connected to them than you could ever imagine. And in doing so, you actually honor God. Not just him, but you honor yourself as well. You proved discipline, standard, forethought, and honor. And sex is about the creation of life. Do you realize God gave us the ability to create life? And not just life, but create a new spirit. He's given us that ability. That's why I think sex is so spiritually powerful and why it's so attacked by the dark agenda. It's so powerful in us because it's so spiritual. It is truly spiritual creation. And God said, look, I'm giving you this awesome power, this awesome responsibility. Here are a few boundaries I want you to work within. And we said, I can't even do that right. He made it enjoyable, fun, pleasurable, while being spiritually powerful. And what do we do? We spit in his face. We go, nah, I can't even wait for those boundaries. I'm going to chase after it. Leading ourselves to destruction. You, if you wait for the Lord, and actually statistics prove this out, the more sex you have before marriage, the more likely you are to be discontent, dissatisfied, and actually get divorced once you get married. There is a strong correlation between the number of partners before you get married and the marriage satisfaction. Now, Christ can transform anybody. And I, I know for my own life, I, I admit it, man, I made bad decisions. And, and I, the girlfriends I had, amazing people. So I don't make a condemnation of them. I make a condemnation of the choices I made. God's the one who transformed me. God's the only reason that I have a good, healthy, awesome marriage. If it weren't for God, I would be a wreck, and I probably would not be married right now. When you align with God's purpose and standards, it will be fruitful and blessed. And, and I don't know how to convince the youth of this because it's one of those things where it's like I'm speaking from experience, but until you experience it, you won't necessarily know it. You just have to trust me. And that's why I pour out like this of please trust me. Don't do this. Do not follow this path. Look at her. Is that somebody you want to follow? Let's be frank. If you're a 13-year-old girl, is she really somebody you want to emulate? I think I made my point. You guys got a last point? You good? No, I don't All think right. so. All right. So, I hope you got something out of this. Pass this around. Share this. Um, I think it's important to get it out.
We've got to destroy this argument at the source. This is junk. What happened to the screen? <laughs> Did you kick kick something? There we go. All right. Anyways, that's a great way to end. You're trying to get rid of me. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Thank you so much for paying attention and listening. I, I Stay with God. That's what I've got to say. Stay with the Lord. All right. I love you all. Have a great weekend. Love you guys.